When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey there, and welcome back to Holding Space Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy Freitas. I am so glad you are tuning in to today's episode. If you've been a longtime listener, you may know some of this about me, but if you're not, I want to share some context because it's going to set the stage for why I so desperately wanted to have this conversation and share this episode with all of you. So I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. I have a group practice. So I have six therapists that work for me. We're all moms. We all support parents. We serve individuals and couples all over the state of California. It's a virtual group practice. I also have the podcast. I'm creating content on social media. I'm also a teacher, professor that teaches adjunct, and I love to be involved in my local community here in San Diego as well in the maternal mental health space. So I'm busy and I love my work and I have done a lot of work around boundaries over the years and also carve out a lot of space in my life for my priority, which is my family. I have a husband, we're high school sweethearts, um, and I have three kids. They are 12, 9, and 3. So they keep us busy, for sure. There's a huge gap, as you can see, between our second and third, 9 and 3. And here's the thing, is that I had my third, she's three toddler now, during the pandemic. So COVID baby, we were all together, all the time, and I knew she was going to be our last. And there was also never another baby to come to kind of, you know, push her into more of that independence that, you know, older siblings can sometimes experience. And I just also knew how fast it goes. I had that perspective now and I just, I gave her a lot of my attention. I spent a lot of time like on the ground playing with her and no regrets except for that I started to notice as a family therapist, I'm, you know, a systems thinker. And I started to notice the impact that her need for me to be there with her playing was having on the whole system. So I definitely was the default parent for the playtime, which was leading to some challenges and resentment. And then my older two were, you know, experiencing some challenges around that. They were having to kind of wait until she was going to sleep, you know, before coming to me with their needs and their need for attention. And, and I was scheduling out, you know, individual time with each of them, but just in the day to day, my toddler was having a really hard time with independent play. And because I know that this was having an impact, I noticed it and I was like, you know what? I'm not just going to white knuckle through this. I want support in how to support her in playing more independently. You know, there's just some context around this, the, the pandemic, being home together all the time, her being the baby that I think is making this trickier for us to support her in independent play. 
and I needed help. One of the things I've learned about myself over the decade or so as a parent is how to ask for help, how to notice when I need help, and how to take the step to get that support that I desperately need. And so I went to Susie Allison of Busy Toddler, who has a master's in education, and she gets toddlers and she understands parents. If you are on social media, if you have a toddler, you've probably come across her work. And she walks us through here how to support our kids in playing independently. And I have to say, now it's been a few weeks since we recorded this episode, now that I'm recording this intro, and we have followed all of the steps that she lays out in this episode, and it has been a game changer in our home. Even our caregivers, so my in-laws who watch her twice a week, her preschool teacher are noticing a difference in her confidence, in her ability to engage you know, at school in independent play, it kind of makes sense now why drop-offs were a struggle and why it was taking her so long to really warm up in the day because she had to play independently and it just wasn't a muscle that she had felt really confident in being able to express. And it's just been such a game changer. And I am so excited to be sharing this episode and conversation with you in hopes that this will be as supportive for your family as it has been for mine. All right. Susie Allison of Busy Toddler, you're about to meet her. It's going to change your life, I think, because it changed mine. Let's get to it. You're listening to Holding Space Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy Freitas. I'm a mom to three and licensed marriage and family therapist. I'm really glad that you took the time to hold space for you by tuning in to today's episode. My hope with this podcast is to share conversations with experts from around the world and parents who've been through it so that maybe you feel a little less alone in your experiences and the messy side of being a parent and being a human and so that you can walk away with supportive steps for what to do next. Listening to this episode is not a substitute for seeking support from a professional in your area. I believe that holding space and offering presence to both ourselves and others is truly one of the most meaningful ways that we can express care. And you are so deserving of that care. All right, are you ready? Let's dive in. Hi, Susie. Thank you so much for coming on. I am so excited to finally get a chance to sit down and have you all to myself and get to share you with the listeners because I've got I've got all the questions and I am so excited to connect with you today. Thank oh, you. thank you so much for having me. I think I got your email and I think I hit reply so fast on that email because I didn't want to lose my spot. I wanted to sit down and get to chat with you. I was so excited. Oh my gosh. You are, you are the best. You're the best. I, okay. Let's, well, let's first introduce you to the listener. Um, so yeah, a little bit about yourself, what lights you up and, and then we'll dive into our topic today. So I'm Susie and I run Busy Toddler, which started as an Instagram account. It's also a website, Pinterest, Facebook. I mean, it's a little bit of everything at this point. And my focus is on play and education, helping parents release some guilt and take back 
their feelings of power in parenting. And I just want to help support parents on their journey in a way that's meaningful to them and not in a way that's trying to maybe copy another person or be untrue to themselves, but really just to find that best way and that best journey for their family and their child and have a little fun along the way. Oh my gosh. And I don't know if this is like your tagline or if it's just something I, I've I've connected to you, but it's like, we're going to make it to nap time. Like, we're going to make, make it, it to nap time. Yes, that <laughs> is my tagline. We're going to make it to nap time. We're going to make it to nap time. And I, I am so, I'm so in it right now with our three-year-old in terms of she wants to play with me yeah. all the time. And it's like from the minute she wakes up to the minute she lays down her head and she's literally just like – and she's still like – as I'm like walking her to room, she's like, play with princess, play with blocks. <laughs> like you want to and, – and she just – we have a really good time with each other. And honestly, I think that when I'm present and in it, I am I'm an awesome play – playtime person. Like I can really get into it, but it's it feels constant and it feels yeah. like I I get fatigued and like I I get burnt out and then I've got two other kids, a 9 and a 12-year-old and and the energy that it takes to engage with her it's it's tough. And yeah. So there's a ton of play fatigue going on. I can tell that it's contributing to burnout and like resentment, you know, when I'm like counting down the minutes to nap time. Mm -hmm. And like lately she's been skipping some naps and I'm like, oh "Oh, gosh, I need, I need that space. And, and it's really hard because there also is not a ton of independent play happening. She wants me there and it's the repetition and then it's also the novelty it's like she wants it's like they want both you know and oof both are hard so i don't know i, I first would just love to hear from you um is this is it, am i is this normal <laughs> like is, is is play fatigue as you know a, an adult woman who you know it's been a while since i've played you know <laughs> like is this is this a real thing everything you're saying i feel will connect and resonate with so many parents because I think play fatigue is one of those things that is just not talked about enough as a really major part of parent burnout. We talk about parent burnout all the time. That comes Mm -hmm. up in conversations a lot. And I think we're pretty all hyper aware that this is a very natural reality of parenting is parenting burnout. But what we don't talk about is the fact that I believe a, a sizable amount of that burnout can be traced back to play fatigue and the parent donating all of their mental space and all of their free time and all of their time for work or their time at home to facilitating play and being a play facilitator for the child. And that's just not a role that parents were meant to have and that parents in previous generations had. When we talk about all these different roles and different hats that parents wear and, you know, parents have worn the cooking hat always. We have always worn the take kids everywhere hat. We've always worn the, you know, housekeeper hat. But the hat that we have added on in this generation is play facilitator. And it is kind of like the straw that broke the camel's back. This one area takes so much time and so much focus and so much energy that then creates a domino effect that is really, really hard to get out of and really, really hard to overcome. And what it comes back to is 
the child not knowing, like you said with your daughter, how to play independently and that this independent play isn't happening because independent play is so beneficial for kids. I mean, we can wax poetic about how, oh, play for kids. This is the most important thing they do. And we all know that. It's rhetoric. It's embroidered on pillows. It's, you know, it's hanging up in Hobby Lobby, basically. It's just this is how – this is the reality. But – what we don't talk about enough is how important independent play is for the parent and the caregiver. Hey there, popping in real quick to share that if you are a parent based in California, our group practice that serves individuals and couples through fertility, pregnancy, postpartum, parenting, those early years and beyond, we are accepting new clients. We specialize in supporting the treatment of anxiety, and support with boundary challenges, trauma, loss, and just the everyday stressors of being a parent. And so if you have been wanting to take that next step to get support for yourself, head to the link in the show notes where you can learn more about our virtual practice. If you're not based in California and you are wanting to take that next step for yourself and want some support on how to find a therapist in your area that's a good fit, there's also a link in the show notes for you. All right, back to the conversation. Because that's where you're getting your time. Your time to do the dishes, your time to do the laundry, your time to have your cup of coffee, your time to eat lunch, your time to talk to your other children. That all happens because of independent play. And when we lose that and we start shoving every bit of a parent's day the cooking, the cleaning, the workload, their mental health, their break time, their free time, their time to connect with their friends. If we move all of that into nap time or when naps end, just post-child bedtime, there isn't enough time in the day and we can't ever climb that mountain. We can't ever get over that hill. We can't ever get everything done because there's just not enough time in that very small space between kid bedtime and parent bedtime. And so then we end up starting the next day behind and it just compounds and compounds and compounds. Does that sound like anything you're going through right now? (laughs) Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. Okay. So, and what, let me just say, I had to mute myself that whole time and I'm going to include this, I'm going to include this in the, in the recording because I had to mute myself the whole time because my dog has like the zoomies right now. I think it's like the, the kids are out of the house and he's like, Play with me. He's like he was yeah. like jumping. Everybody up wants your playtime. Play with Everybody me. Everybody wants you. He's like, are they gone? Is she gone? And, and really, the toddler like, is she gone? Can I have your attention now? And it's like, there's nothing left. I have yeah. nothing left to play with you. Like, you can probably. I don't know if you can hear him. He's zooming around the house right now. Like, play with me. And I'm like, I, I can't. I'm so yeah. sorry. I don't have any. I don't have anything left to give. And you know, it's so interesting. My husband and I were the other day, like. We, like if you either laugh or you cry, right? Like, and so we right. we were laughing in the moment of just like our our youngest, just like she had a snack in her hand and she was asking for a snack, and like I was walking out of the room to like go pee, and she was mm-hmm. like, "Mama, Mama, gonna play? Mama, gonna play? Mama, Dad, Dad, I get a snack, Dad, I get a snack," and we're just like. Oh my god! You, we looked at each other like, "Is like what? What is happening? Like why? Why can we not?" Oh. Why can we not get some space? And and he looked at me and he was like, I don't – he's like, I don't remember ever playing with my parents. You know, and that's – and that's – and of course, like, we right. we want to do things differently. We want to break the, some of these cycles of, of, of being 
of being playful and being engaged with our with our children and being present in ways in which maybe our parents were not, right? And oh my gosh, we've got to find some way to take care of ourselves right. and have boundaries and space in order to have the capacity for that. Yeah. Like and I think what always strikes me is how when we talk about, you know, building relationships with our kids and and the love that we share with our kids and building these strong bonds with them, it often boils back down to, well, that just means I have to play with them all day and I have to be there with them and I can't ever tell them that I'm not available to them. And, you know, I was talking to a parent the other day and she said, I feel so guilty when I say no to my child playing. And my response back was, I do. I feel guilty also, but I feel more guilty when I snap at them because I'm super burnt out and my energy level is depleted and I feel like I'm drowning. I feel worse for that. So I'm happy to say no thank you to play when I know that it's massively benefiting our family overall. And the other part is, is that I think we've boiled down parent relationship with child to mean something that can only be built and cultivated through play. And that's that's such a, you know, that's such a fallacy because there are so many beautiful ways that we build our relationship with our kids and that we do things differently than maybe generations in the past. And that can be things like going on walks together, cooking together, reading together, being emotionally available, having meals together, sitting around and just chatting, going on adventures, taking hikes. These are all beautiful ways that we can build these relationships with kids. We can have family game night. We can hold time for doing puzzles. We can make sure we're always available with a picture book at our side. But play can also be something that we separate out because it can be this really mutually beneficial way that supports both of our needs. It's going to be difficult for a taller preschooler, obviously, to play a board game by themselves, but they can play by themselves. So if we can say, well, I can support your growth in all these different areas and our relationship if I hold time each day for us to play a board game together, but that means I'm going to have to take back some of this independent playtime and you're going to have to learn how to play independently. And that doesn't necessarily have to be this big, bad, or scary thing. It can just become part of the daily routine and, and how we build that and how we teach children, I think that's also part of it is that we have to teach children how to play independently if this isn't something that they were innately born with the ability to do, or if it's something that they just haven't had the opportunity to do, it hasn't been asked of them, and now it's suddenly being asked of them, then no big deal. We're going to grow that skill, and we're going to build it, and we're going to build it to a point that it becomes mutually beneficial for both the parent and the child. So in that very long-winded segment... I think the big issues that we need to do is we've got to teach kids how to play. We've got to understand that play is not the only way that we're going to build our relationship with our child. And that in saying no to play, we're saying yes to their developmental needs and yes to our needs as a human being and yes to our family's overall needs and well-being. Hey there, hope you're enjoying the conversation and the episode so far. A quick word about our sponsor, Cozy Earth. I am a huge fan of Cozy Earth's loungewear. I am actually wearing their jogger set right now. The material is so comfortable. Both my husband and I agree, and we actually have very different needs when it comes to clothing. He's always hot. I'm always cold. And somehow, 
somehow Cozy Earth just works for both of us. So Cozy Earth, all products are made from responsibly sourced viscose from bamboo. And their women's loungewear and men's loungewear is crafted from the same breathable and luxurious material as their bedding. I believe that their loungewear offers optimal comfort while still maintaining a really flattering fit and can transition super easily from home life to school pickups and podcast recordings, obviously, as I'm wearing my jogger suit right now. And also I love their pajamas. So you got to go check them out. So if you go visit CozyEarth.com, they have provided an exclusive offer for my listeners today, 35% off site-wide when you use the code DrCassidy35. This is 100% what, what we're looking for and needing to kind of break the cycle around because mm-hmm. right now what's happening is, you know, I, I recently did, took I've been doing some one-on-one trips with my kids and I took my oldest to Seattle and we had an incredible time. She, and then the first day we were just like walking around, you know, the public market together. And she looked at me, she's like, mom, is this what it would feel like to be an only child? And she was like, mom, it's, she said, she's like, it's pretty legit, you know, like just all, all the attention and just the connection opportunities. And, and right now I really think what's happening in our home is like the older two are waiting until eight o'clock for the toddler to go down to sleep in order to like connect with me, right? For my 12 year old, like yesterday we like laid in bed like for 30 minutes just talking about her day and some things have been going on at school and friends and um and then my nine and <laughs> my nine-year-old is just like you know on screens a- until mm-hmm. until we're like okay yeah. n- get off the screens now oh my god you've been on it for yeah. hours and he, he's looking at us like well what else that, what, what else is I supposed to do you know and I'm like oh my gosh what is this and then of course by the time they go to bed I'm like, I need time alone. And my husband's looking at me and I'm like, I know, I miss you too, babe. Like, yeah. I oh, it's, I mean, it's, um, that, yeah. it's that resentment that starts Ooh. to creep in. And that's, yeah. that's so dangerous because we don't yeah. ever want our children resenting another child or, and then for, yes. you know, you saying like, I need space. Like we don't want you resenting your yeah. child because, because of their needs. And so it really does, it just, it, it becomes breaking the cycle of, being the child's playmate and and solely being responsible for their ability to play because that is going to be so beneficial yeah. for you and your entire family. The, the entire family system, yeah. 100%. Like, I, I have strategies. I can break please. them down for you. <laughs> oh my gosh, please. I have, I have strategies. And I want to oh, yeah. preface this by saying I have a child that was like this. Mm. We have three kids. I had two that came out into the world and they knew how to play independently and they needed yeah. absolutely no help. They came into the world and they were like, yes, of course I will hang out on my play mat and I will look at my mirror and I will look out the window and I will look in the mirror. And they, they from literally from day one, and, and it is true that babies from day one begin showing us signs of self-entertainment skills. And that for a baby mm-hmm. looks like literally just sitting on the play mat and kind of like tootling around. And if yeah. you have a baby and you see them doing that, let them, let them. They'll let you know when they're done. Trust me, they'll let you know. <laughs> yeah. But you can watch that child and go, oh my gosh, this is the building block of independent play. Mm-hmm. This is this child learning how to self-entertain on their own. You know, when they're sitting there and they're very content looking out a window, 
that's them self-entertaining. We don't need to feel this need to fill the void or fill the space. I think we sometimes feel like as parents, we want to be so hands-on that then we end up being, dare I say, too hands-on. And we kind of interject ourselves into situations where the child was managing their life being independent, mm. self-entertaining on their own, you know, by saying things like, what do you see out the window? What are you looking at? What do you notice? Do you see that car? And instead, if we if we can turn off for a second mm. and just let that child have that moment of being within themselves and looking and self-entertaining, that again, that becomes these building blocks for the child feeling comfortable and confident in the toddler mm. years of playing on their own and then that carrying on obviously throughout their childhood. That doesn't always happen. And, yeah. and it doesn't. And I have a child that that came out in not having any idea how to be independent of me. We make jokes all the time that, you know, if the umbilical cord is still attached, we, you know, the hardest day of his life was the day he was born because he was taken away from me. Oh. Like, you know, these are like these family, you know, yeah. jokes that we yeah. have to make. You know, like you said, you either laugh about it or you cry. <laughs> right. And it's okay. It's okay to cry too. It's okay to cry too. <laughs> yeah. But the truth is, is that we had to become very intentional, my husband and I, at how are we going to teach this child to self-entertain? How are we going to teach this child how to play independently? Because our family structure depended on it. My ability to keep up with housework during the days depended on it. My ability to feed them lunch, my ability to have a relationship with my other kids depended on all of them being able to play. My ability to run a business, I, I started a business when my children were babies and my ability to do that depended on them being able to independent play. So all of these things linked together. And again, it all built around the ability for children to play independently, to give the parent time to do other things throughout the day. So then like for me, so that I could build a business when they were napping and I could build a business when they were in bed and I wasn't being asked to do dishes and laundry and bathrooms and things like that or finally feed myself. I had had time to do those because my children knew how to play independently. So let's get back to what we were talking about though. Yes. We were talking about how are we going to help you get your daughter playing independently. So these are the strategies we use for my child. I've been sharing these on Busy Toddler for years now, and the response from parents is overwhelming on, on how these different strategies help. Of course, every child is different. Every child has different developmental needs. So this may work for your child. It may not work for your child, but it's at least something to consider and a place to start. And my goodness, isn't that sometimes half the battle? We just need a place to start. Oh, please give us a place to start. I'll take it. I'm taking it. <laughs> so the first thing we want to do is we're going to set up a play routine. So you're going to find two time blocks in your day, one preferably in the morning maybe-ish, just depending on your family. You know your family structure. So think about two time blocks during the day where you could see that you really need to be doing something other than playing. Yeah. So for my children, really easy time blocks were after breakfast because I needed to be able to eat breakfast myself and clean up and get the house set up for the day. Yeah. And another time that was really great for my kids was after dinner because, again, I needed time to clean up dinner. My husband and I wanted a chance to hang out and reconnect and have a moment to just be the two of us and let them go off and play. So those were two really easy time blocks. Obviously, we have more throughout the day, but if we're just starting and looking, let's find two time blocks in your day that you can think it would be really, really beneficial for me and our entire family if she was playing during this time. Yeah. And you're going to block those out and you're going to assign those time spots the way that you would assign soccer practice, dance class, homework, okay. 
everything like that. We're so good at scheduling activities into our children's days. And then we forget that play is one of the activities they need to be doing every day. Yeah. And we need to have time and we need to give space for them to be able to do that. So mm. build in that play routine the same way that you would build in every Monday you have dance class at 9 a.m. Well, mm-hmm. now it's every Monday you have play at 9 a.m. Yes. Make it routine because as children become more confident in a routine, it becomes less scary. They know when this is happening. It's the same thing we see with like food. If they know when snack time is, if they know when the next meal is going to be, they're less worried about it. They're less going to ask about it. If they know when screens are going to be offered next, they're less worried about screens. They know when this is going to happen and they know when it's going to happen again. So if they can get into a routine with play that they know every day after breakfast, I'm going to be asked to go play, then they start to get into a habit within themselves and they start to get excited and create those play narratives in their head as they're maybe eating breakfast. They're getting ready. They're getting excited. It's the same thing as like, you know, stretching before a big game or lacing up your dance shoes. You're getting excited. You're getting ready. You know this time is coming. So that's step one is we're going to make a play routine. Step two is you're only going to do this for like five minutes. <laughs> because oh, yes. Rome yeah. and playtime were not built in a day. And yeah. what we want more than anything else is success. We yeah. want success the first time you try to do this. Mm. So you're going to set a really manageable goal and you're going to let them know what you're doing at the same time. It becomes really hard for kids. You know, play is work for children. We know that's like a really famous quote. The play is the work of childhood. So what you're asking of them to do is to go off and do hard work. So if they turn around and see you flop on the couch and pick up your phone and start scrolling, well, we're not doing equal things and that can be very, very difficult. So we want to be doing equally hard work to what they're doing. So when you say every day after breakfast, it's time for you to get up and you're going to go play and then you're going to continue the sentence. I will be, and you're going to give one task, one task that they know approximately in their little toddler preschool mm-hmm. head the length of. You're going to go play. I'm going to do the dishes. And you're going to tell them when I'm done with the dishes, I will come right away and find you. And then you're going to honor that. And that's all you're going to do the first day is you're going to do the dishes and in peace, and you're going to walk and you're going to go find them. If they decide not to play and they just want to sit there and watch you do the dishes, that that's their choice. And you can keep saying that. That is your decision. What you want to do, this is your time. This is my time. This is your time. This is my time. I am using my time for doing the dishes. You, I would recommend use your time to go play with your toys. But if you decide that what you'd rather do is lay in the hallway in a silent protest, (laughs) then by all means, enjoy your time in the hallway. Mm. But we set the boundary and we hold the boundary because you are, remember, working on reclaiming this time for you. This is just as much about you as it is about them. And that Mm. becomes really, really important is that you have to keep reminding yourself as you're holding these boundaries and there is going to be pushback and things might be difficult and there may be tough times ahead as this transition unfolds. This is for the greater good of you, of the child, and of the family. Because we know from countless studies and research in child development that play without an adult is the most beneficial play that a child can do. So when we can remove the adult from the play situation, the benefit to the child is 
you know, I, I don't I don't actually know what they quantify it with, but it's it's unbelievably more beneficial than when an adult is playing with the child. And again, not to minimize our playtime with a child, right. but it just is the the reality of what it is. So you're going to set the routine. You're going to find a manageable block of time and a very short block of time. Yes. And you're going to start to grow that time. I recommend with kids over the age of like two or three to get a little visual timer, a little kitchen clock. So they can see how long you're going to be gone. And then you every day can ratchet it a little bit more, five minutes, then it's 10 minutes, then you're at 15 and your life really starts to change around the 15 minute mark. Like that really becomes where like life starts to change. But what becomes really, really important for kids that can't play or, or haven't formed the skill to play by themselves is that they feel success, they get into a routine and they know when this time is going to end because they believe that they're not going to see you again or you're not going to come play with them again. And so you want to set it up to where you're honoring them and honoring, you know, to make sure that they know I'm going to come back. I'm going to play with you at the end of this. At the end of this time when this buzzer goes off, I'm coming right to you and we're going to, and I actually recommend you don't play. I know that's awful. Make that your soundbite. I recommend you don't play with your child. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Instead, pick something else to connect with them. Read a book with them color with them, play a board game, do a puzzle together. Start to separate yourself as the playmate and and instead align yourself as someone who does these other activities with them. And there are so many beautiful activities. And again, you're making that connection. You're together. You're building so many skills when you're doing this with them, but you're reserving play for just the child. As a mom to three, my partner and I find that one of the biggest struggles we have faced in our relationship is navigating sharing responsibilities and the mental load. And I know that we're not alone because this shows up with all of my clients and in every podcast episode, the mental load of parenting shows up in some way or another. Enter the scene, coexist. Coexist is the app that's revolutionizing how couples manage the mental load of household tasks and childcare. It's like having a personal assistant right in your pocket, helping you and your partner effortlessly share tasks, plan meals, collaborate on lists, and even give each other kudos along the way. Here's the cherry on top for my amazing community. Coexist is offering an exclusive deal. Sign up for a two-week free trial before June 15th, and you'll get 15% off the annual plan on iOS with the code DrCassidy15. So what are you waiting for? Really, take that first step towards a more harmonious home life today. Download Coexist on Android or iOS at getcoexist.com. The load in our home has been feeling a little bit lighter since downloading Coexist, and yours can feel lighter too when you download the Coexist app at getcoexist.com. Since becoming a parent and as I've gotten older, I've become a lot more mindful of the supplements and products that I use, and that's why I love Peary. These are natural food supplements that I trust completely. Let's talk a bit about collagen. So collagen is so important for our bodies, but our natural production of it slows as we get older, so I've learned, and quality supplements support our muscle, bone, and joint health. 
Recently, I've been taking Puri's CP1 Pure Collagen Peptides. It was number one out of 28 collagens tested by the Organic Consumers Association and Clean Label Project. There are enough hard decisions that we make every day as parents, and this makes Puri an easy choice. See and feel the difference with Puri. I know you'll love their supplements as much as I do. Puri is offering my listeners an amazing deal, 20% off site-wide. Just go to my special URL, puri.com backslash Dr. Cassidy, and use my promo code, Dr. Cassidy. So go to P-U-O-R-I.com slash Dr. Cassidy. Don't miss out. Use promo code, Dr. Cassidy at puri.com backslash Dr. Cassidy. How do we sound so far? How are we doing? This is so relieving. Um, like this, I think. Let, let me name a couple things here. You know, I'm I'm a I'm a therapist, so the mental health piece, and I'm a family therapist, so the sy- systemic piece, like, and not just the system within our the family we've created, but the systems around us always are just like you know swirling around in my head. Right. And I think about okay with my first, who's twelve. I experienced postpartum anxiety and my husband experienced postpartum depression. And so the that first year and then you know and then and then really the years, the toddler years, while we were, you know, healing, there there's a lot of guilt and then and there and it would sometimes slip in the shame about just how disconnected mm. I felt mm-hmm. during that period of time. And then, you know, so I think that she, you know, and then with my second, that was a period of time when, yeah, I was building my business and um, also social media was becoming a, a much bigger part of our lives yeah. as, as as parents and as humans. And I think that there is – there I, when I look at the context of that, there was also like – you know, I was in school. I was getting my PhD when he was born. You know, like I was starting my. It was there was a lot going on, yeah. and I think that then with my third, she was born during COVID. You know, mm. so it's like we were all home all of a sudden. Yeah. Like my business, everything was on hold. I was no longer in school. You know, I had been in school with the other two. Um, <clears throat> you know, I had I, I had. My, both my husband and I had, you know, gotten a ton of support. We were in therapy. We, a lot of protective factors, to, and it was all in the effort of being present. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know? And I think in some ways, the pendulum swung so far that it was like I, when you were talking about like, you know, the the parent like kind of overbearing in a baby's like mat time. Like I think that was it was yeah. like there was so much FaceTime. It was like I am like. I am here. And also, you know, I think just, again, a lot of the input that I re- that we receive about, you know, just all the different ways that we can be supporting, say, speech development and like being attuned to like just everything. It was, it was a lot. And so yeah. what I, what I kind of hear you saying feels like this permission slip that I think I was looking for, right? Like <laughs> to say, actually, like actually pause Give, give your child some space. Yeah. Ask yourself, why am I talking right now? I actually can just step back and allow them to observe the world around them and become more secure and confident in the world around them. And and yes, and still be attached and connected and supporting these things. But like, oof, give yourself a break, girl. Like, <laughs> like yeah. for, for 
for the whole system. Give yourself a break. And so, and as you're talking about like finding two times, like for me, I'm thinking, yeah, it, it's, I think it's morning and, and after dinner sound like great starts, right? Like, and I think, you know, I, we have a timer that like is a visual one for her that we, that like kind of has colors and it goes down as the time goes down. So, and we've never used it besides <laughs> Besides as a toy, right? <laughs> Besides as like playtime together, like as we're playing with each other with this and like, you know, oh, like I um, and hearing you say that play and independent play is the best, it, it, it is really the best kind of play for their development and their brain and their everything. It feels like something I didn't, I needed to hear that I, I almost had like lost sight of. Because the minute you said it, I'm like, oh, wait, actually that makes total sense. I, I've, I've known that. But somewhere along the way, just me constantly needing to be there with her, engaged with her, it got lost. And I think a part of it is the context of the history of mental health, the history mm-hmm. of what was happening in the world around me, the history of wanting, to, of knowing that like I, I my husband and I saw like want desired more of that connection from the generation before us. And it's all of these pieces, right? But the pendulum swung so far that I literally lost any moment to myself. (laughs) And for those older children that I like wanted to break the cycle and be present with for, right? So, um, yeah, I'm thinking like I could tell her things that she would understand at three ish and a half, um, is, I have to go wash my face right now. Like I have to go brush my teeth right now. Like I have yeah. to go take a shower right now. I'm going to go fold the laundry right now. Like things that she has seen me do where like I am not able to play with her, right? Yeah. Um, and and five minutes, starting it with the five minutes, right? Um, oof. And yeah, I could see how 15 minutes can start to be a game changer because would you say around the 15-minute mark when a child has become more kind of used to and comfortable with that, they are more likely to get caught into flow and like yeah. it becomes – like mm-hmm. it just actually becomes longer than 15 minutes? Yeah. There's – I now I'm like struggling because I can't remember who said this. So I'll I'll find out – I'll remember who said this and I'll give it to you for your show notes. Yes. Um, th- This idea that kids take 15 minutes to warm up. Mm, yeah. And so once we can get them, you remember with babies with sleeping, we always talk about like they change their sleep cycle after like 45 minutes. And if you can get them over that first 45 minute hump, yeah. they're going to sleep long. Do you remember that whole thing when, yeah, yeah, you, yeah. when you had newborns? This is the same thing with play. If we can get them over that first 15 minute hump, then the snowball, then the snowball starts. So that's mm-hmm. why our goal is to get them to this kind of 15 minute mark. Because once we get them there, then just like you said, it's just off to the races because now they're secure. Now they're involved. Now they're deep. They've got something brewing, something going on, but it can be really hard and really daunting to get them and and daunting on us because you've maybe had to go through a few discussions with them about what they're going to be doing. You've maybe had to restate your boundary a few times and you're going to feel really pushed and pulled to just give up and say, you're not just, you're just not going to play right now. So I'm just not, I'm just not going to do this. But keep reminding yourself that this 15-minute thing is a real thing. And watch your children because you'll start to notice when you go to a children's museum or you go to the zoo or you go to a play date or you go to the beach, it takes them like 15 minutes to warm up to a new place, a new location, a new idea, a new playtime. And that's really natural and really normal. So as you're building this, keep that in your brain that I'm going to push through this and we're going to see this through and eventually we're going to get to that 15 minute mark and we're going to see them kind of head off to the races. 
And if you come back to check in on them even after that five minutes and you can tell they're deep in something, you know, do like T-Rex. Don't let them sense your movement. Back away. Back away. Because once once we interrupt, once we say, hi, or I'm back, or what are you playing? It, you know, it's akin to someone interrupting us in the middle of a conversation or in the middle of writing an email. It's like your flow stops. You, you have to try to restart. It's just not going to happen again. So the more that you can see them doing that kind of hard work and honor the fact that like, wow, you're, they're like deep. We always say that they're deep right now. That's my husband and I, it's always yeah. our code and our neighbors were like, oh, they're deep right now. Give space. They're deep. Yeah. And that's kind of this code we all say around here for they're so far into their play world that any impact from the outside world could break and destroy what's happening right now. So mm-hmm. we're all going to honor what the work that they're doing right now. And we're just going to, we're going to, we're going to see ourselves mm-hmm. out. We're going to see ourselves out. When you were talking about kind of this pendulum swinging and, and wanting to be so present that then maybe you overdid it. That I think is just going to resonate with so many parents. And I hope so many people hear what you said there, because I think that is exactly what happened, that in our need and our desire to be the most present and engaged and connected parents that we can possibly be, we ended up sending it so far over that we forgot to let the child have space to grow as their own person separate Mm -hmm. of us. And that is a really hard thing as a parent to say that this child at some point is going to be very separate of us. Mm. And I think when we think about being present and we think about being connected to them, we think about it as this really active thing. And we Mm. think of it in terms of what are you looking at the window? What are you seeing? Tell me what you're looking at. Do you see this fire truck? But what we should shift that to is understanding that observing them is just as much being present. And it's just as much connection. Observing the fact that they're looking out that window and noticing things and then come back to that later. When they've kind of resurfaced and reemerged and now they're back to chit-chatting, say, I saw you looking out the window. What did you notice? And there Mm -hmm. comes the connection. But observing is such a first step and and also observing their play and seeing what they're interested in and what they like and observing what they're looking at and observing how they play with their friends and observing, you know, their kind of interest in the world is such a huge and critical part of creating a connection with them. Mm. But we often forget to do that because we've miss we it's like a misbelief that you have to be very, very active and 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 active in a way that's um loud and talking and interjecting as opposed to observing, which is more quiet and feels more passive, but it isn't. You're being like a little scientist and you're observing them and you're taking down data in your head and you're making these mental checks about what they're doing, what they're not doing and what they're interested in or not interested in. And you can learn so much by just observing them. And then on the flip side, they get that space and they Mm. get that, that chance to grow their own skills and and separate of us, which is hard because we want to be so hands-on that, that you know, we forget that hands-on can sometimes not mean physically hands-on. It can just mean eyeballs are on. And, you know, I think that it's a muscle, a mindfulness muscle that I've, that I want to tone myself too, of like being able to observe. I'm reading, I'm reading up this book right now about the power of wonder. And I'm like, I've become so 
um, curious and enraptured in this idea of like awe and wonder as emotions that we as adults, right? Like, yes, feel so distant from at times and being able to just observe and see what they're seeing. And then, and then gosh, like not just to see what are they interested in, but like to become interested in it ourselves, right? Like the way that the light filters through the trees and right, like the ways in which, you know, certain flowers grow and how they Mm -hmm. smell and oof. Um, Yeah. In those quiet times and in that silence and and the observing and, you know, and instead of being hands-on with our hands, but hands-on with our eyeballs or our ears, we can learn so much about their world and our world and our worlds together. Mm-hmm. And we can give them space to to tell us about their world, which mm-hmm. I think we forget to do a lot of times is forget mm-hmm. that they're living their own world and they're living their own life. And it would be nice to hear it from their point of view. What are they seeing? Are Did they notice the way that the leaves filtered the sunlight? Are they watching mm-hmm. and listening? You know, my kids were noticing the other day, one of them said the leaves are more wet sounding this year. Last year, they crinkled more. I had <laughs> no, paid no attention. <laughs> But they had, right. and how cool is that yeah. that they had observed that that in their silence mm-hmm. they had found that and observed that and and it, you know it's just wonderful. It's it's you know you mentioned this a few times like just going for a walk um, and and I, I I'm really thinking like okay what are some real tangible ways that I can remove myself from the playtime but still have these connecting activities and yes reading but I think you know going for a walk mm-hmm. is something that just it's it gets us out of the house and I can I can do that and observe a lot in that and be connected in that moment. And you know what you're describing here in terms of building this sort of independent I think that it's going to translate to like what another thing that we're struggling with right now which is separation at a preschool drop off, mm-hmm. you know, and it's and, and and now it's making so much sense, right? When she has become so used to, when it comes to play, having me right there mm-hmm. to facilitate that, facilitate that, and then I'm dropping her off to do what is definitely going to be a ton of playtime, right? Without- and a harder working playtime because they're going yes. to be asked to play without the teachers not sitting there playing with them. Yes. And so that is going to be – overwhelming and, and, and yeah, exhausting, right? Because it's work. Um, so that just makes so much more sense. And then another thing that I could see this being connected to is the reliance that we have right now in our home on screens Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. for me to do things like talk to my other child who's having a hard time, right. Or take a shower, right. Like, it's um I it's like I know the screen will hold her attention and so like we rely on that for yeah. these moments of connecting with my other kids or this moment for myself right or this moment for this other task and so I could see how toning this muscle oof it's gonna take work on our part as a family to break the cycle but so worthwhile for those reasons too yeah no I loved everything everything you said right there and and even the connection to screens you know screens allow us to do so many different jobs and they, uh, they bless them, bless the screens. Thank goodness. (laughs) Yes. No, and it it is true. And I, you know, I will never vilify screen usage because it is, you know, closing up gaps that we have, you know, and, and providing us with the ability to do different things that we need to do where we can refocus our screen time is if, like you said, if you're saying, you know, this isn't fully beneficial, 
if the screen time use is fully beneficial for everyone in the house at that exact moment, then by, you know, by all means, like you, that is what you have to do. But if it's replacing something that you feel like it doesn't have to replace, like, you know, if we just worked a little bit more on, on X, Y, Z, or if we retooled this way that then, then you open up the use of the screen in an, in a different way and, and you maybe give it more oomph when you really do need it because you haven't overexhausted the usage of it, which becomes, you know, a whole other, a whole other set. But I think one, one of the things that is so important as parents to remember is how much work play is. And like you were talking about her going off to school and she's about to do all this really hard play work. And I think as parents, we look at play and we think, well, it's just fun and it's frivolous and like, just go play. Like, why would you not want to just go play? Like, just go play. But it's hard work. I mean, you mentioned at the beginning that you're really good at playing. I'm terrible at play. (laughs) Like, I cannot get Mm. into those deep, imaginary, weird, like, I I can't do it. Well, I've gotten a ton of practice over the last three years. But like, clearly, (laughs) you've gotten a ton of practice. Too good now. (laughs) You're really, really good at this. And we're we're so happy for you. Thank you. (laughs) But I think... If we can keep remembering that, like, this isn't easy for them. This isn't frivolous. This isn't just something kids need to go do. This is really serious and significant work. This is going to be hard mental work for them. They are going to have a whole lot come out and a whole lot be asked of them during this. And I think that's why in our house I say it constantly to my kids. Play is your job. Job. Play is your job job. So they understand in the same way that I go do my job and dad has his job, that we all have jobs. Your job right now is this. And then I often say my job right now is, and then whatever job it is that I'm doing, because I want them to understand that everybody is doing hard work and I honor their play work as difficult as I honor, you know, the meeting Mm -hmm. that I'm in or Mm -hmm. the hard work that I'm doing at this task is equal to the hard work that they're doing when they're building blocks, which seems so simple. But it becomes deep deep respect for it. I know it becomes Mm -hmm. this thing, you know, and I think so often we say to kids, you know, oh, just go play. And I'm guilty of that. It's this very dismissive way that we kind of send them off to play. And it's like, well, who wants to go do that? I mean, that was right. not exactly <laughs> the most inviting way to set up yeah. play. But if you have play as a very routine and regimented and standard and normalized part of your home process, then telling kids, hey, it's time for you to go play. I'm going off to my jobs, then that becomes a much less scary thing. You're much much more inviting, much less likely to make it dismissive. You know, it becomes all all these things. All these things. Oh, my gosh. All right. We're going to do it. I am going to have my husband listen to this audio. Okay. um, (laughs) Because I'm I'm making him listen to to tonight and it's not going live tonight. So it's not – you can't listen to it as a podcast yet. But the listener, have your partner tune in too so that we can all be on board with this – New cycle breaking yeah. <laughs> in a different way, right? We're yeah. we're just cycle breaking, breaking. habit breaking, <laughs> habit breaking. Okay, we're gonna start this. Um, Susie, thank you so much. Where can folks find you so they can continue to learn from you? All the good yeah. things. I'm on Instagram. I'm at busy toddler, and then you can find me on my website, which is just busytoddler.com. 
Amazing. I will share those links in the show notes so the Thank listener you. can go straight there and find you. And you offer so much free content and <laughs> ideas and it's it's incredible what you're putting out there. And I, I, I hope folks go right now and 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 follow you and and connect with you there. Thank you again so much for taking the time. Of course. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having so me. Appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you did, you might want to hit that subscribe button to be the first to know when future episodes air and go and explore some of those past episodes. Maybe there's a topic in there that you've really been wanting to learn more about. You can learn more about my private practice as well as my parenting courses and workshops at the link in the show notes. You held space for yourself today. You carved out the time and you tuned into this episode. I hope you take a moment to honor how meaningful that is. Yes, to me for sure, but also for you. Thank you for tuning in and I'll catch you next time. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.